Welcome to the Come Follow Me with David Ridges podcast. My name is Julie Clough, author of Miracles in the Darkness. I'm your guest host for the week of February 15th through the 21st, covering Doctrine and Covenants, sections 14 through 17. I love the Doctrine and Covenants. I love that it's a book of scriptures that's specifically revelation after revelation given during the foundation days of the church. As Joseph Smith and um, other prophets received revelation that clarified their duty, what they were supposed to be doing, how they were supposed to be doing it. It's something that we all desire. In fact, I love that President Nelson has really emphasized this need for each of us to discover how we receive personal revelation, that we really work on that idea of receiving revelation. Um, In fact, President Nelson said in April 2018 in his talk, Revelation for the Church, Revelation for Our Lives, he said, To be sure, there may be times when you feel as though the heavens are closed, but I promise that as you continue to be obedient, expressing gratitude for your blessing, the Lord gives you, and as you patiently honor the Lord's timetable, you will be given the knowledge and understanding you seek. Every blessing the Lord has for you, even miracles, will follow. That is what personal revelation will do for you. That is the experience that we find Joseph Smith in during these early days before the church was even established. He had been working with Oliver Cowdery in Harmony, Pennsylvania, and the persecution had really increased at this point. And so they had both become acquainted, Oliver Cowdery, as well as Joseph Smith, had both become acquainted with David Whitmer. And David Whitmer was the son of Peter Whitmer Sr., who had three sons that will become very, very important in the early days in the foundation of the church. Peter Whitmer Sr. had had a home in Fayette, New York. And as persecution increased, Oliver Cowdery wrote to David Whitner requesting that he come and take him and Joseph to the home of David's father, Peter Whitner, Whitmer Sr. in Fayette, New York. And that's where they ended up going. In fact, that's where they went and were peacefully able to complete the um, translation in the home of Peter Whit- Whitmer Sr., In fact, the prophet Joseph Smith wrote, We found Mr. Whitmer's family very anxious concerning the work and very friendly toward ourselves. They continued so, boarded and lodged us according to arrangements. And John Whitmer, in particular, assisted us very much in writing during the remainder of the work. He went on to talk about how these three brothers, David, John, and Peter, And he said they became our zealous friends and assistants in the work. And being anxious to know their respective duties and having desired with much earnestness that I should inquire of the Lord concerning them, I did so through the means of the Urim and Thummim and obtained for them in succession the following revelations, which is what we read in Doctrine and Covenants 14 through 16. These are the revelations that were received to 
through Joseph Smith for David, John, and Peter Whitmer. And these are three of the sections that we're going to review in this section of uh, Come Follow Me. We see as it begins, when the Lord is talking to David Whitmer, he, he begins with very much a, a theme that we've seen repeatedly. We saw it in sections four, section six, section 11, and section 12, where he talks about the great and marvelous work is about to come forth unto the children of men. And he asks David to give heed to my word, he says, which is quick. Quick meaning alive, lively, continuing revelation, and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. So again, this is cutting. This is dividing the from the false philosophies to the correct doctrines. It's separating truth from error. And the field is white, all ready to harvest. Again, this is a common phrase that we hear. The time is now that we, we gather Israel. And he promises that whoso desireth to reap, let him thrust in his sickle with his might and reap while the day lasts, that he may treasure up his soul everlasting salvation in the kingdom of God. He gives a commandment, that is, that we thrust in our sickle, because he's not only talking to David in this, isn't he? Because he says, whoso desireth to reap, that's us too. That's not just directed to David Whitmer. That's directed to anybody who has a desire to build the kingdom of God that he may treasure up for his soul everlasting salvation in the kingdom of God. So he's promising, God is promising salvation to those who will build his his kingdom. Again, he talks about thrust in the sickle. And then we see this verse that we see repeated in multiple places throughout the scriptures. If you will ask of me, you shall receive. If you will knock, it shall be opened unto you. And we're going to see specific, very, very specific requests made by David, by um, Martin Harris, by, um, by Joseph Smith in, in these sections. We're going to, we're going to see from the background, from the history, re- specific requests that are made of the Lord and specific answers that are given. But it's not just ask and receive. What came before that? Instructions to thrust in his sickle and reap. And that is the way we receive revelation as well, is that first that we have, that we have a desire to receive, that we prepare to receive, that we take notice to ask, and then we can receive. I love that um, in the Come Follow Me manual for individuals and families, it has the phrase, I can participate in God's great and marvelous work. I love the way that's phrased. I love the way that is such a an affirmation for us to remember that we are a part of this, that we're not just we're not just watching what happened in history, but that we can apply the lessons that are learned in the Doctrine and Covenants, the lessons that are learned through the stories and the background, as well as the verses that are shared there, that we can truly participate in God's great and marvelous work. And how do we do that? By 
desiring to do it, by thrusting in our sickle, by preparing, by doing work, by getting involved, by asking, and then receiving. Again, I want to share another quote um, from President Nelson, where he says, If we are to have any hope of sifting through the myriad of voices and the philosophies of men that attack truth, we must learn to receive revelation. And what does it say in these early verses? It says, my word, let me go back to it. It says, give heed to my word, which is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Give heed unto my word. He actually says it twice in verse 2. In section 14, verse 2, the Lord says, Give heed to my word, and therefore give heed to my word. So he begins the verse and ends the verse with this same phrase, Give heed to my word. And what is heed? Heed is action. Heed denotes not only listening, but obeying. Verse 7 says, if you keep my commandments and endure to the end, you shall have eternal life, which gift is the greatest of all the gifts of God. This is a verse that we're very, very familiar with. And remembering that God's greatest gift to us is eternal life. And how do we, how do we put ourselves in a position where we can obtain eternal life? By giving heed, by keeping the commandments, by enduring to the end, by staying in the covenant. That is how we obtain eternal life. And then he instructs um, David Whitmer on the Holy Ghost and how to bear witness effectively. Remember that through these first few sections, they've been receiving instructions about understanding the word so that they can then share it. And he he specifically tells him in this verse that, that you shall receive the Holy Ghost, which giveth utterance that you may stand as a witness of the things which you shall both hear and see, and also that you may declare repentance. So he's being instructed to be a witness and to declare God's word. And then in verse nine, I am Jesus Christ, the son of the living God who created the heavens and earth a light which cannot be hid in darkness. Wow, how thrilling for David Whitner, for for him to receive such an incredible revelation from the Lord. And in the very last verse of the section, he's instructed, thou art called to assist, which thing if ye do and are faithful, ye shall be blessed both spiritually and temporally and great shall be your reward. So specifically, he's instructed that he is to assist in this work. Sections 15 and 16 are the revelations given to John Whitmer, David's brother, and to Peter Whitmer Jr., David's other brother. And this was given at the same time as the revelation to David Whitmer in June of 1829. Now you'll notice that sections 15 and 16 are identical other than the fact that section 15 says, hearken my servant John, 
And section 16 begins with, Hearken, my servant, Peter. But otherwise, they are the exact same revelation given to these two brothers. There appears to be that they were both wondering the exact same thing from the verses we learned that in verse 4, it says, For many times you have desired of me to know that which would be of the most worth unto you. So both are inquiring, both are wondering how they can participate in this marvelous work that's that's coming forth. They have true belief, true faith, and I am inspired by their humility because as I read this and I know, you know, and I, and I studied this again and I saw that each section was exactly the same, I wondered if I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't feel a little gypped. Like, why am I getting the exact same revelation as my sister or my brother, right? Instead of, why am I not getting something that is is completely personal to me. And and for me, as I read that and I contemplated that, I thought, how beautiful that we have this example where we have these exact same revelations given to these two brothers to remind us that the revelations that we've received from God, from the scriptures, are for us, just like they are for those that they were given for. That we... We don't need to have something specifically said to us. If it's in the scriptures, then we know that it's true and that we can have, we can have our personal revelation on how we might apply those things to our life and what God would have us do that's specific to us. But the revelations are there. And as we have faith and in what we're receiving through the scriptures, we will be blessed. And we don't need to look beyond the mark, as it were. And we learn in verse 6 of both section 15 and 16, that says, I say unto you that the thing which will be of the most worth unto you will be to declare repentance unto this people. So again, serving missions, teaching the gospel to others, is one of the most important things that we can do for ourselves. Because it says that you may bring souls unto me, that you may rest with them in the kingdom of my Father. So when we share the gospel, when we share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are not only serving and helping those that we're sharing it with, but we are helping ourselves as we gain that rest in the kingdom of our father. Now, as Joseph continued the translation with the assistance of Oliver Cowdery and Martin Harris, they learned as they recorded this, that, that there would be witnesses, that there would be witnesses of the gold plates, that there would be witnesses of the work that they were doing. For example, in ether five, Verse 2, it said, And behold, ye may be privileged that ye may show the plates unto those who shall assist to bring forth this work. So again, speaking of Joseph Smith, that he would have people, that he would have witnesses that he would show the plates to. So that's referring to the 
eight witnesses. And then it says in verse 3, Ether 5, 3, and unto three shall they be shown by the power of God. So these are the three witnesses. So the three witnesses are shown the the plates by the power of God, and the eight witnesses are shown the plates through Joseph Smith himself physically. And then in verse 4, Ether 5, verse 4, and in the mouth of three witnesses shall these things be established. And we know that God works through witnesses. Um, in Second Nephi twenty seven twelve, it says, the book shall be hid from the eyes of the world that the eyes of none shall behold it, save it be that three witnesses shall behold it by the power of God. And in the Doctrine and Covenants in, in section five, which they'd already received at this point, it says um, in verses 11 through 13, and in addition to your testimony, the testimony of three of my servants whom I shall call and ordain unto whom I shall show these things, and in verse 12, they shall know of a surety that these things are true, for from heaven will I declare it unto them. And verse 13, they may behold and view these things as they are. So they are learning that there are going to be three witnesses. So their desire increases that they might be the one of the three witnesses. David Whitmer, Martin Harris, and Oliver Cowdery all desire that they might be they might be those three witnesses. And so in section 17, the Lord says to them that they might be able to view this. In verse in verse 1, it says, You must rely upon my word, which if you do with full purpose of heart, you shall have a view of the plates, and also the breastplate and the sword of Laban and the Urim and Thummim, and the miraculous directors which were given to Lehi while in the wilderness. And in verse two, and it is by your faith that you shall obtain a view of them. So what happened? How did, how did these three witnesses come about? They had been praying. They had been, they had a desire. So again, we go back to the desire, the preparation, the ask and receive. This is the pattern of the Lord that we, that we have a desire that we prepare we do something in preparation that we ask that we might receive. And that was the, the pattern that the three witnesses, how they came to be the three witnesses. They had learned about this. They had a desire to, to be a part of this work. They had a desire to view the, the plates through the power of the Lord. They prepared for this um, event they asked and they received. So let's let's look specifically at how they went about asking and how that all came about because it really is so fascinating. They had they had this desire, they received this section 17 which you know it's recorded in section 17 but they received this revelation that they would in fact be able to be the the three witnesses. This is what Joseph Smith the prophet had to say about that special occasion when the three witnesses actually saw and heard and were able to to really to see these things by the power of the Lord. He said, not many days after the above commandment, which again was recorded in section 17, not many days after the above commandment was given, we four, 
Martin Harris, David Whitmer, Oliver Cowdery, and myself agreed to retire into the woods and try to obtain by fervent and humble prayer the fulfillment of the promises given in the above revelation. Now, I find it fascinating that they had been given this promise in this revelation that they that they were going to be the, the witnesses of this, and yet they didn't just wait for it to happen. They took action. They, they prepared themselves by setting a time, by setting the intention to go into the woods, to pray, to, to fervently ask, ask for the fulfillment of the promise. They had the promise. Now they were asking for the fulfillment of the, of the promise. And so they did. They went into the woods, the, these four men, and they prayed and they, the prophet prayed and they each prayed um, took turns praying and, and they did this once they went through this, this, um, this process once and with no, with no specific result. And then they went through the process a second time. And again, there was no reply from heaven and, and, and prophet Joseph wrote upon this, our second failure, Martin Harris proposed that he should withdraw himself from us, believing, as he expressed himself, that his presence was the cause of our not obtaining what we wished for. So he did. So Martin Harris took himself, separated himself from Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, and the prophet um, Joseph, and he went off a distance. And so the the three men that were left um, there continued their fervent prayer. They knelt down again and they again engaged in prayer. And not soon after they beheld a light above them and that an angel stood before them. And I'll read in Joseph Smith's words in his hands. He held the plates, which we had been praying for these to have a view of. He turned over the leaves one by one so that we could see them and discern the engravings thereon distinctly. He then addressed himself to David Whitmer and said, David, blessed is the Lord and he that keeps his commandments. When immediately afterwards, we heard a voice from out of the bright light above us. Now, again, this is the power of God testifying to them of what they're seeing. And the voice from out of the bright light above us saying, these plates have been revealed by the power of God and they have been translated by the power of God. The translation of them, which you have seen is correct. And I command you to bear record of what you now see. What a marvelous experience for David Whitmer, Oliver Cowdery, and Joseph Smith to see this angel come from heaven and show them the plates and show them the other instruments that were used and the other items that they had been promised that they would see. And then to hear the voice from heaven declaring that these plates are revealed by the power of God and translated by the power of God and commanding them that they bear record, that they be witnesses of what they have seen. Now, once this revelation had closed, then Joseph Smith left David and Oliver, and he went to join Martin Harris. And when he did, 
they again earnestly went before the Lord and requested that Martin Harris also see this vision, experience this vision, see the plates, and so that he might also testify that he was a witness of the record and of its um and of the power of God. And so that is exactly what happened. So after after Martin Harris and Joseph Smith began to pray, then the vision once again was opened to Martin Harris and he saw and heard what David and Oliver had seen. And of course, Joseph Smith saw and heard again what um, what they had seen. Now, when Joseph Smith, I love this, when he when he when they returned, they they had been gone for quite a while, and they came back to the house. And his mother recorded this. She said that when they returned to the house, it was between three and four o'clock. So they had left the house at um, around eleven. So they'd been gone four or five hours. So she writes, Mrs. Whitmer, Mr. Smith, and myself were sitting in a bedroom at the time. On coming in. Joseph threw himself down beside me and exclaimed, Father, mother, do you not know how happy I am? The Lord has now caused the plates to be shown to three more besides myself. They have seen an angel who has testified to them, and they will have to bear witness to the truth of what I have said. For now they know for themselves that I do not go about to deceive the people, and I feel as if... I was relieved of a burden which was almost too heavy for me to bear, and it rejoices my soul that I am not any longer to be entirely alone in the world. What a beautiful, what a beautiful exclamation that Joseph Smith shared with his mother, with his father, that he is no longer alone in the world, that he now has witnesses of all the experiences he's had, I just, I just, um, I rejoice with him in his uh, combining with their voices and feeling not so alone in the world. And of course, then later the eight witnesses were shown the book, of, um, the the gold plates, and Joseph was the one that just physically showed them to them. As you read their statements, the three witnesses and the eight witnesses, you can see the difference that the three witnesses were shown a spiritual experience of the plates and the eight witnesses, the physical experience of the plates. It's a beautiful system that the Lord has put into place to have these witnesses to bear record of the truthfulness of what what has been received. In the testimony of the three witnesses, we read that we, through the grace of God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ, have seen the plates which contain this record, which is a record of the people of Nephi and also of the Lamanites, their brethren, and also the people of Jared, who came from the tower of which hath been spoken. And we also know that they have been translated by the gift and power of God, for his voice hath declared it unto us. Wherefore, we know of a surety that the work is true, and we also testify that we have seen the engravings which are upon the plates, and they have been shown unto us by the power of God and not of man. 
and we declare with words of soberness that an angel of God came down from heaven, and he brought and laid before our eyes, that we beheld and saw the plates and the engravings thereof. And we know that it is by the grace of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ that we beheld and bear record that these things are true. That's just a portion of their testimony, but what a beautiful testimony that they experienced, such an experience with the Lord, with the with the voice of God and with the with the an angel. Section seventeen concludes with commandments and promises of the Lord. In verses 8 and 9, we read, And if you do these last commandments of mine which I have given you, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you, for my grace is sufficient for you, and ye shall be lifted up at the last day. In other words, they'll be exalted at the final judgment. And in verse 9, And I, Jesus Christ, your Lord and your God, have spoken it unto you, that I might bring about my righteous purposes unto the children of men. Amen. Now, in previous weeks, we've learned about some of the history of Martin Harris, Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer. We know that they weren't always valiant to their testimony or their connection with the church, I should say. But throughout their lives, they always, always stayed steady to their witness of the Book of Mormon, to the power of the book, to the um, vision that they received. And that is a tremendous blessing to all of us that they remained faithful to that testimony. Again, a reminder that we are all called to the work, that we can all participate in God's great and marvelous work. And we can receive personal revelation, personal revelation that is powerful and and can be received daily as we thrust in our sickle in other words as we do the work as we have the desire as we prepare as we ask we will receive and that is the promise that we've been given by our prophet president russell m nelson president nelson pleads with us in fact he said specifically my beloved brothers and sisters I plead with you to increase your spiritual capacity to receive revelation. Choose to do the spiritual work required to enjoy the gift of the Holy Ghost and hear the voice of the Spirit more frequently and more clearly. And he goes on to say, Our Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ, will perform some of his mightiest works between now and when he comes again. We will see miraculous indications that God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, preside over this church in majesty and glory. But in coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. May we all remember the pattern that the Lord has set forward for us to desire, to prepare, to ask and receive that we might be found worthy in the last days and that we might stand firm in our testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ.